You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. For the lore coming to you on Monday, January 21st, through a combination of real life adventures and honestly just a slow news week. Uh, we took last week off, but we are back with all kinds of stuff to talk about this week. I'm joined this week by Marty and Joe. Roger is resting up after a pretty nasty snowstorm that hit all of us over this past weekend, and he had a lot of cleaning up to do today, so he's taking the week off, but three of us i'm sure we'll get it done just fine how you doing this week guys i'm swell it's been a a lovely day off uh got a lot of stuff done finding out that i have to sacrifice more money to look like a grown-ass man which that's <laughs> why start now oh that's that's a great question that's a great question <laughs> well i spent most of my day off just playing magic the gathering arena the new set released last week and it's just been so much fun Days and this off, is one of those <laughs> i'm sorry joe you should have those things it's all good well, at least you didn't get to enjoy your evening with your two best friends and marty yay i'm a, i'm included even if it is as the punchline i'm included <laughs> Marty, we always find a way to include you. Well, we're going to lead off this week with another video we got from Anthem, and I'm a little disappointed that Raj couldn't make it for this because I've really been enjoying his slow, gradual acceptance into interest, into, I would say at this point, he's bordering on hype for this game. <laughs> but the, they released their first official like introduction to Anthem trailer. It was like six, seven minutes long of just discussing various systems, uh, showing off like the basics of the story. It's again what we've talked about before. The mysterious anthem of creation can change the universe and the ever generically named freelancers have to protect it from the Dominion and the evil deep voiced guy that's leading them. Again, storyline seems at this point fairly simple, but starting to flesh out a bit more of the world seeing some of the characters marty the animations are better than andromeda oh the animations uh, are better than andromeda the whole game looks absolutely gorgeous um the suits the flying the the decision to not have pvp i think is a very solid uh direction for uh, the creative team behind anthem uh i watched the video and i walked away uh, willing to suspend uh, my disbelief and to not continuously compare it to Andromeda. So it I'm went proud of you. You're growing. I know it was good though. It looked fun. Um, it looked, it looked like just uh, a good mech blending, you know, uh, kind of shoot 'em up, which, you know, I could, I could get behind that. Mm-hmm. And then continuing with their trend, they had another one of their live streams last week 
where they got into some of the more, not end game content, but let's say uh, post story content. Yeah, not, not like uh, high level raids or anything, but uh, what they know, what are called legendary contracts. And these are essentially uh, side missions that you can get from your various faction representatives in town to go out there and just do stuff and get good loot and increase your reputation with that faction as well. And they showed it off, and this was on hard difficulty, and I've got to say, it did look hard. <laughs> they said it's doable, but you have to keep an eye on what you're doing and keep your focus, because if you do make a mistake, you will be punished for it. And I like that there's that variance in there, that if you really want to push it for better rewards, that option is there. It's the same uh, Diablo mentality with the higher difficulties. And what they said with these... Uh, legendary contracts they're essentially a series of like three small public event style uh pseudo randomly generated steps in the quest that you have to go through like okay go here fix this broken thing go over here rescue this guy it's the stuff that you're doing a lot throughout the game but it's presented in a, a bounty contract style manner that gives you actual progression towards a reward instead of just going out there and doing this stuff randomly and each step of the contract has escalating difficulty. So it starts off, even on hard difficulty, it's somewhat doable, but by the time you get to the final step, there's three different steps, they said, in each. It looked fucking crazy. Uh, the, with this being on the higher difficulty, they also talked a little bit about how the enemies will be on these higher tiers. Of course, you go up from normal difficulty to hard difficulty to master difficulty, the enemy's damage increases, their hit points increase. That's to be expected. But also, as you're going to higher tiers of difficulty, their behaviors are going to change as well. So I, I'm sure Marty uh, and even Joe, you played the old Halo games. It's like when you played on Legendary Difficulty, it wasn't just that the elites were so much stronger and had more health and more shields. It was they were more prone to dive out of the way of your grenades and use flanking maneuvers and stuff like that. And that's really exciting for me that it's not just a straight numerical change for a higher difficulty. That is fun. I think that's one of the one of the things that... Uh, Games like Anthem Miss is when they don't vary the techniques and strategies of the the bads in the in the. Mm -hmm. And then, if you remember from that big reveal trailer back at E3, that giant creature that showed up at the end—that's what's known as a Titan. And in this legendary contract, they came across three lesser Titans, which were uh, somewhere around ten to twelve feet tall on their own throwing fire and stuff and there were three of these things on the last step of the quest and it was intense and it was really cool seeing because it's not just an enemy that's you know they are they each have uh i forget exactly how they were doing the move but they were essentially sending out a ring of fire that you had to jump over and fly over to avoid getting burned because if you get burned your suit starts overheating and then you can't use your cool mobility options well when you got three of these things sending them out it's like a wow rate at some point of trying to dodge all the the aoe's going around combined with them putting like these orbs of explosion fire into the air as you're trying to do this it was fucking crazy but at the same time it looked fun as well they said uh when they, they start casting these abilities you can see uh, like their arms or legs or backs or, you know, a lot of these types of enemies, 
you can uh, attack these points that they're using as uh, critical damage weak points, and if you do enough damage, you can actually interrupt their casting. So there's a lot of tactics and group coordination involved with this as well, which is one of the things they keep coming back to with Anthem is getting your group to to hit things right and in the right sequence like they showed at the end of that first trailer when they were fighting the fury which was going to regenerate its health so it's just about staggering your damage and pounding it down before it can start to regenerate it's a very group oriented game that i enjoy yeah that was probably the best part of the trailer uh, not the trailer but of that video was just watching the team mechanics and how everybody was you know teaming up to do cool stuff together chain combos and and beat that fury and that fury reminded me of some of the best parts of mass effect 3 uh the temple with the arctic yakshi that was awesome Mm. so it was yeah there's a lot of uh that bioware mass effect sci-fi influence here that they're they're definitely borrowing from but going in their own unique direction with it and the one last thing from the stream that uh, really caught my eye was they were out, they were flying around, they were doing their things, and one of the uh, the people who was watching it live was asking them in chat, he's like, I noticed your uh, your suit is is in uh, a cooldown mode right now. Like, you know, what's, what's doing that? Because typically, like, you can go into water, fly through a waterfall, skim a river, stuff like that, to cool down your suit so you can fly longer without overheating. And the dev who was uh, running the stream was like, oh, it's because it's raining the weather effects actually can be beneficial to you. If, if it's raining outside, it's going to cool your suit down faster and increase your flight time. But the other side of that coin was, oh, if it starts raining too bad, there's also going to be randomized lightning strikes that can just fry your suit if you get hit. So take this crazy open world that they're building with all these creatures and public events and then add in randomized weather effect on top of it. And that's another layer I definitely was not expecting. So yeah, game's still looking pretty good, pretty fun. I'm still interested in getting my hands on it. And thankfully, we're going to get some more uh, non-media, non-Bioware looks at it very soon because the VIP demo for anybody who pre-ordered the game will be this weekend and then the full-on open demo for anybody who wants to try it on PC, Xbox, or PS4 will be the weekend after. So that's probably going to be the selling point for a lot of people, uh, myself and Roger included, actually just trying it out for ourselves. As cool as it looks, nothing is going to beat a firsthand experience. In other news, though, uh, UB was almost doing well (laughs) here for a while. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey came out uh, at the end of last year to a lot of praise. Uh, Personally, I I was interested in it, never got around to checking it out. Uh, but it was on my list of, hey, maybe one day I'll go check it out. And, you know, when it's on sale or whatever, just there's always another game to play. And if you recall in the marketing leading up to this game, one of the big things was, A, you can choose either a male or female character, Alexios or Cassandra. And there's a number of choices throughout the game you can do to determine their romance options. They can be straight, they can be gay, they can be bi, they can be neither there's a number of different options presented to you and you can play your character however you like. And this is taking the more action adventure oriented Assassin's Creed games and moving them more increasingly in an RPG direction. And everybody enjoyed it. It got a lot of positive reviews, a lot of good fan feedback. 
and they've since been releasing their DLC chapters, which is you know after the story and kind of bridging the gap between uh, Odyssey and the the generations of assassins and Templars that are to follow. And this is where things got a little. I'll just straight up say it, fucking bad. Uh, the latest DLC, uh, the second part of the DLC that they've been releasing, uh, it's a three-part story. Uh, you're working for some guy, and uh, he has a son and a daughter. And if you're playing Cassandra, no matter what choices you make, you can turn the guy down, you can tell him you're not interested. Same thing with Alexios, you can turn the girl down, tell her you're not interested, want no part of her romantically, at the end of the DLC, it's revealed that you had a child together. Yeah. And it's, A, completely taking uh, character, uh, uh, player, God, what's the player word I'm choice. looking for? Player choice, yeah. Choice, that's a hard word to remember. <laughs> player choice out of the equation, but completely flipping the entire concept they were going with of if you want to play a gay character, you can, and saying, no, we're going to mandate in the story that at least for this one part, your character is not allowed to be gay because they need to have a descendant in the in the timeline for so, future chapters. Yeah, I, I'm playing Odyssey right now. Like, I, I've been playing it, I've been streaming it, and I'm having a good time with it. But that's a big thing. And, and I understand what they were trying to go to, but there are historical precedents for, you know, people that didn't want to have romantic relationships but still wanted to have a baby, and they could have done that just fine. They could have explained it a million different ways and let it be a player choice still. They're like, because at the end of it, at least from what I can tell, your brother or sister is still alive. They could continue on the bloodline without you if that came down to it. Like, it doesn't have to be your character, or even if it was, they could have presented it in a much more utilitarian way versus, nope, you just had a baby. Have a nice day. Like, Yeah, and, that, and that's what really caught a lot of people off guard was it seemed pretty in line with how the, the main game in the series was going with like, these romantic options that you just chose not to engage in. And then, like, sudden scene shift to nine months later, here's a baby. It was very jarring and... I mean, first of all, poor, horrendously poorly executed, but yeah, just very disingenuous and offensive to the people who were praising the game for allowing them to, to make alternate choices. Well, it's also especially jarring when you consider that you create a game that's completely open world. You can do anything at any point in time. Uh, it's It gives you the choice to to accomplish your goal to get to the end game however you want you could be the bloody assassin you could be the arbiter you could be whatever you want but then they then corral you back into set story and one of the biggest big and, and this is what i don't understand with this this was the biggest complaint of the last several installments before origins was that everything was a set story and what agency did you have you just went from point a to point b and just did whatever. And maybe in Assassin's Creed 1 and, you know, Brotherhood, that was okay. But these games are how old now? Like, what players have wanted from this has, has evolved. And then to give somebody something and then completely take it away, like, how is that good? How is that a smart decision? I mean, it's 
it's straight up not. But like for me, like even worse than that was kind of how they responded to it. Like they did the whole, yes, we're sorry, we messed up, we'll do better in the future. But seeing them try to justify their choice is, like, I'll, I'll just read the quote here from, uh, from uh, Dumont. Yeah. Where he's like, Alexios and Cassandra realizing their own mortality and the sacrifice Leonidas and Marine made before them to keep their legacy alive, felt the desire and duty to preserve their important lineage. And that's just like, it's really gross to me that if you were role playing a character that had no interest in that thing, to have that taken away from you, have that power taken away from you. But then to go on when they're saying, uh, our goal was to let players choose between a utilitarian view of ensuring your bloodline lived on or forming a romantic relationship. So the player choice was just if you were going to actually love the person, it, but the, the, the decision to go through with it was completely out of your hands. And they say, as you continue the adventure in the next episode, which I have a feeling a lot of people won't be doing, please know that you will not have to engage in a lasting romantic relationship yeah. if you do not desire to. And that's just gross. Like, it, we forced you into, and, and like, essentially, yes, forcing a player's character to do something that the player didn't want to is forcing the player to experience something in a way forcing them to go through this physical relationship and saying it's okay you don't have to love them if you don't want to is just really gross to me so in in it's also them walking something back and now they're going to scramble they're probably scrapping some of whatever they had for the next dlc content and to try to rewrite it to fit you know whatever new narrative that they think is going to you know try to appease players but here's the truth of it. Like after reading this, like if even though I'm enjoying the game, had I not had more than two hours in this, I would have returned it. Mm -hmm. Like I, yep. I, that's that's really disappointing to me because Origins was good because of player choice, and Odyssey was very very good because of player choice and being able to play as you wanted to. Like my sassy snarky, you know, not quite assassin yet, but definitely murdering everything that I come across person. Like, I don't know. Like it just, it, it takes the wind out of my sails when it comes to this. Yeah. And at this point you can't put the toothpaste back into the tube. It doesn't matter how you're going to dress this up in a future chapter, unless you're going to go back and completely remake the second chapter as well. It's, it, it's for nothing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, really? I'm definitely not getting the DLC so they can fuck themselves on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, your, your, your Spartan can live on in whatever manner they so choose. So we also got some interesting news this week on the Star Wars front, Joe. <sighs> interesting is not the right word for it. Sad <laughs> is really the, the word for it. So, so since EA has gotten their hands on the Star Wars franchise, it has been a downhill slope steadily but surely and what we got was a bunch of news that this new open world star wars game that was being worked on uh that got flipped from visceral uh you may remember from like you know dead space uh, sort of fame that we're working that that their studio got shut down in 2017 uh and then ea gave uh a vancouver section of their publishing house whatever game they were working on and said go for it here you go and they just told us, hey, by the way, uh, we're not doing that anymore. And that unnamed project is just not going to happen anymore. So this makes two 
really anticipated games that EA has not even murdered because they didn't even let it come to fruition. Like we had Project 1313 that just went away. And then now this one, which is just gone. And now there's going to be working on a new game, apparently. That's going to be something completely different. And it'll be great. Uh, it's probably going to be a fucking mobile game because of course it is. It's EA. Like, seriously, at this point, why do they why is Disney letting them still have rights to this fucking franchise? Yeah, I have a feeling that once that contract is up, uh, Disney might have something to say because we we've been around gaming long enough to know sometime projects don't work out and they have to be canceled. It's it's just, and then there's the EA way of not working out. Yes. Right. We've decided that we're just not going to invest in what you're doing because it's costing us too much money and it's cheaper to go this other route because since they've gotten exclusive access to the star Wars license, they've canceled as many games as they've put out. (laughs) And the games they've put out, let's be honest, have not been great. Sure, let's talk, been... about, let's talk about Battlefront 2 while we're here, shall we? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Let's, let's talk about the buggy piece of shit that they released just to get it out there, then crammed all the fucking loot boxes into because they wanted to keep making money off of it, pissing off every single one of their players to a horrendous backlash that actually caused, by the way, uh, several countries to declare loot boxes gambling, which they weren't doing before this. Good job, EA. You fucked every other company that does loot boxes over. I'm sure they're real happy with you. And it is now being reviewed by the FTC because of EA and their bullshit. And then these open world games, well, we can't put loot boxes in them. Fuck it. I would not be surprised if that's the entire reason. That Listen, if Warner Brothers can put loot boxes in open world games, I'm certain EA can. If Stellaris can have a loot box kind of mechanic, any game can have a loot box mechanic. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know where they go. And and I, I, do you have any idea like how long this contract they have with for exclusivity with the franchise is going on for? I, I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea. Like, and that's the thing, like a lot of times we'll have an idea of how long an exclusivity contract goes with a company because they'll, they'll be pretty upfront about it. But with this being now Disney, I don't think they're going to let anybody know uh, how long that contract is and it, it, whether or not they can even pull out of it or whatever the case is, because I'm pretty sure that the EA deal was penned uh, when Lucas arts was still independent. Like this is before 2012 when they got, or 2011, Mm -hmm. when they got sold, like that contract got put in place. So, I mean, it could have been a 10 year contract. It could have been whatever, but they probably just had to honor it. And yeah, that's probably why they're not saying anything. Cause who, who the fuck knows what George Lucas put in for like that fucking contract. He could have been like, here, you just own the video game rights for all perpetuity. Have a nice day. Was it that deal they made with Kenner back in the day? It was. (laughs) So from Engadget, the license for EA is 10 years, uh, and the deal oh. was 10. So they're going to get at least one more game out Hey, look at that. that. I was yeah. right. 2023 uh, at the earliest. Yeah, which, again, I guess the, the new game is going to be targeted for 2020, uh, which, again. That's a okay. pretty short amount of time to make a Star Wars game. That is a real short amount of time to make a Star Wars game, which is why I'm really thinking it's going to be a mobile game. And then there's still that nebulous game that Respawn is working on that we still have no clue what it is other than the fact that it exists. Yep, we've heard nothing of it. And that's been how long now? 
I think close to two years since it was announced. I yeah. don't even remember the title that you guys are talking about. That's like well, we don't have a title. Yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure they didn't actually. It, give it, it was title. respawn yes. working on new, new Star Wars game. Enjoy. Yay. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, it's a weird space to be in, especially as a Star Wars fan, because like we're starting to see sort of a resurgence of it with now the new movies coming out, and you would think this would be a great opportunity to create new games, and for all the people that are like oh, I don't like the new movies, give them some older style storytelling or old, like game set in the older, you know, movies, you'd make a fucking mint. But here's the thing. You actually got to put the fucking games out in order to make that money. So what the fuck? I, I, I seriously, I cannot wait for EA to completely lose this license and for Disney Interactive to start fucking pushing their own shit because then we'll actually get fucking Star Wars games. It'll And then, you know, we could play them. It'll be great. It'd be good. Uh, Marty, what? Please tell us you have some good news because it's not been great so far this episode. I've got great news. Um, I'm going to start with talking about Tunic, uh, the game where it's like a Zelda clone, but you play a cute little fox. There isn't a lot more um, out other than one, the director slash developer slash animator slash lead. Uh, put out a video of the main character doing a little holiday dance and then did a six minute documentary on mini documentary on how to actually make the animation and, you know, uh, the ticks, uh, excuse me, tips and tricks to squash and crunch the animation so that it looks cool. Uh, also, uh, there was more tunic information coming out for PAX South and, uh, just then they also set up their own discord server so that people can come in uh find out what's going on talk about the uh talk about the process how far it's gone along and what current deliverables are so uh tunic is the game that i once woke up in the middle of the night like trying to figure out like what was that really cool zelda clone that i wanted to play and it was tunic so uh it looks so far so good and i got to be honest that little dancing fox in the Santa hat holding a sword was pretty great. Uh, made my day today, and today was a pretty damn good day. So it's cool. Have you guys heard anything else about Tunic? Nope. Uh, it, it's it, it's one of the mini games that I'm like, hey, that looks cool. And then I forgot about it. Right? <laughs> it's, it's one of the, it feels like it's in our niche of games, and it seems to be uh like well the whole team and the the whole team and the end product looks so incredibly charming i just really want to play this game so um i also got to jump into a formerly ps4 exclusive game called absolver and mm -hmm. i got to put about two hours into it and have either of you guys since you both have ps4s have you either of you played this I haven't played it, but I, I'm at least familiar with this one. I remember it. I, I know I've played Absolver. Okay. Um, so on the Xbox side, and, and Joe, correct me if I'm, when I misspeak, um, it just came out on Game Pass, downloaded it. Uh, people in the Reddit forums, excuse me, on the, on the subreddit were talking about how it's got uh, lore like Darksiders, not like Darksiders. Um, Dark Souls. Dark Souls, right, where you 
it's not out in the open, but you have to find it. And that is something that I've really wanted to try. It's always online. There is a PVP element, but it can be done completely PVE. It's a martial arts role-playing adventure uh, that has got incredibly slick graphics. They're a little bit simplistic, but um, what they make up for that with incredibly lush sounds and rich, rich textures and colors is gorgeous uh, from that angle. It's kind of got the same feel as the other game I talked about, Ashen, except really bright uh, and a little bit more detailed. The other thing is you get to make your own uh, martial arts school, which seems like it's a guild or a clan, and you customize some moves and finishers, and you can do tournaments to see which school is the top school. Uh, it's fun. I've only put about like two hours into it, and maybe if I can get more people to play, because it's not, it's a button masher uh, that I haven't played in a long time long time um joe could you fill us in a little bit more about your experience with absolver it's been out for almost two years at this point um it came out on pc from devolver digital in 2017 uh it's an online multiplayer combat game it has procedurally generated dungeons it has procedurally generated bosses with different abilities it's very much a combat driven game that i mean has some story somewhere but it, honestly like here here's the thing until recently it's gotten a lot of mixed reviews and for a good reason there's the inklings of a pretty cool thing here but then it just doesn't deliver like it got really boring really quickly because that's my fear yeah and and, and at least for me and and it's the same way that uh fighting games as much as i, I enjoy them i don't enjoy them nearly as long as other games I tend to go through them, play them for a little bit, and then I'm done. And then I just don't really care to go back. This is in that same vein. It was pretty cool. Uh, it was fun while it lasted, and then it just won't go back. Uh, it has more in common with For Honor, in my opinion, than any of the other like things that it's trying to like hype it up to. Where, you know, I mean, even in For Honor, at least it just says, yes, this is combat. It's not, oh, there's story if you go find it. Because honestly, if you're playing Absolver, you're not playing it for the lore. You're playing it so that you can martial arts kick somebody in the fucking head. So yeah, Dark Souls has made a lot of contributions to gaming over the last several years, and uh, among them is that it's a convenient excuse for developers who just don't want to put story in their game to go. It's like Dark Souls. We promise the story's <laughs> out there. You just have to find it. Yeah, that's been my fear. I haven't run into any. I only put a couple hours in and uh, I might continue playing, but uh, yeah. my concern is like, if there's not a story, like what are, what are we absolving anyway? Like, what are we trying to do? And it's not at all clear. Um, and there's not even an inkling of what it could be. So, you know, but it was fun. And like, if somebody else, like, and, and the fact that it's, you know, free, if you have game pass, why not give it a shot? You got your money's worth. Well, and here's what I'll oh, say yeah. about their story. Emerging and unique stories uh, that generate through player interaction and choices. And by player interaction, they mean with other players. So there isn't a fucking story. At least, <laughs> at least the old emergent stuff. gameplay yeah. tag. Which, again, it's just like, it bothers me. Just own it. Just own it that you're a combat game. Come on. Like, even your fucking tag is online melee action. Just fucking go with it. Man. Just fucking accept it. 
I did have a cool interaction where somebody who was a way higher level helped me out and then did a cool emote and like bowed and stuff. But I didn't, I didn't think of a story uh, from that interaction. I'm just like, Oh, that was sweet. That was not nobody doing weird dances or trying to hop on voice chat to talk about my mom. So that seemed nice, but not enough for me to actually spend money on it. Yeah. And lastly, uh, I wanted to talk about this last week, um, before it happened, but this last, this weekend, uh, in Chicago on the South side in a creative art space known as the co-prosperity sphere, I helped run a, with uh, the level eater nine, which is a D and D based fundraiser for a local community radio station. Uh, my buddy Will puts together this multidimensional adventure where people do quests in order to kill the bad guy. Um, and this year, I've been going to this for like three or four years, and this is the first year where they didn't kill the big bad at the end. So next year, they were fourth level this year, and everyone will be third level next year because their level got eaten. Um, but it was a phenomenal event. We had... Uh, a local brewing company makes a special beer for us. This year it was called Cryo Flare, which was this uh, delicious pineapple IPA that was I had too many of. Um, they had a guy doing silkscreen printing. Uh, you know, my job was to run to tables, figure out what their quest score was, get DMs, DMGs, or whatever they needed. Uh, it was a blast. And, uh, they also have Level Leader out in Portland. So um, it's an amazingly fun, good time. There are, I'll send Roger the link, there are Prelude episodes online. Um, and tomorrow we'll get some more detail about like what the outcome of the whole event was uh, in terms of like next year's story. Because my buddy's going to be on the radio talking about it. And I think, uh, I think they'll probably have that as a podcast. So yeah. Uh, level leader, it's fucking rad. If you're in Chicago next year, you should go. So yeah, you mentioned that uh, Pack South was this past weekend, and Pax isn't the the uh, the great string of announcements that it used to be back in the day, just because there's like eight of them a year now. So yeah. you get smaller announcements throughout the year, and one that caught my eye was the first actual reveal of layers of fear too again really upset roger's not here because god this is like one of his favorite games of the last few years uh, joe i know you played it too right uh no i didn't play i just watched people play ah fair, fair enough it's, it's just as good <laughs> and it's just a small little trailer uh, it's about like a minute long just showing off the game being creepy as shit uh, and it looks like it takes place on some sort of old cruise ship or something this time around. And the main twist, well, not main twist, but main difference is, whereas in the first game, you were playing a tortured artist. In this game, you are an actor. And it, there's like some voice lines about, oh, you became an actor so that you could be other people instead of yourself. So knowing the weird psychological twists and stuff that we can expect from Layers of Fear, I'm sure there's going to be a, a lot... Uh, around that formula and thought and then of course it stood out that the narrator for this game is none other than the motherfucking candy man tony todd himself which that voice alone just gives you an extra point and a half on the scary scale oh my god that's awesome 
So I uh, still don't uh, know a release date on that one, but uh, I'm, I would assume at some point coming up soon now. Uh, and then just another quick one that uh, I saw come across uh, from uh, Terry Cavanaugh, the creator of Super Hexagon and VVVVV, a game called Dicey Dungeons. Uh, it's a D&D themed uh, sort of game where your characters are actual dice with the different character classes. And it's a it's a, a roguelike uh, Slay the Spire sort of deal with uh, the map and going around and uh, it, it the deck building revolving around your actual dice that you can use in combat to defeat enemies. So it, it looks fun. It's got a cute style, something else to keep our eyes on coming out this year. So if you can use dice as weapons, like clearly the Vorpal sword of this world would be the D4, right? Because nothing else is as painful to step on as a D4. Legos would like to have a talk with you, Marty. I, I, yeah, I, I see that. And I'm like, we can have someone fight that out. Like, I don't want to be the one that's caught between the two, but like, goddamn, like D4s hurt a lot. Don't be such an asshole, and they won't. Well, well, I am genetically predisposed to be an asshole, so <laughs> I'm doomed. It's like an allergy. Trust me, every time I'm DMing for Alicia and I look across the table and she has those metal dice, makes me second second guess some of my decisions. <laughs> oh, there was they were selling from a game store metal dice, and I'm like, I should buy fancy dice. I've been playing this game long enough. I deserve it. I'm like, one no dice don't do anything good for me whenever i need them to so i'm not going to reward them by buying them and two <laughs> a metal d4 would go straight into my foot i'd get tetanitis and i'd die no 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 make for a hell of an obituary though <laughs> dumbass didn't gotta, pick up his d4 you gotta think long term here marty <laughs> do, <laughs> what do you want to be remembered for I'm not stepping on a d4 all right and joe uh you've been getting back into breath of the wild over the last about month or so now haven't you uh sure have uh so i don't i i do playthroughs of zelda at least once a year and i play all of them from first game to last game on main consoles i don't do the ds games because well or the game boy games because i would just never have any hours in the day uh but i'm i'm back into breath of the wild now because it's fun and i like it but one of the things that I've been looking at lately is that there's a pretty heavy active modding community for it. So obviously emulation is bad and you shouldn't do it unless you own the game and it's a legal backup and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and you shouldn't mod your switch unless you want to avoid your warranty. All right. Now that I've got that out of the way, it's fucking cool what they're doing with this shit. <laughs> um, we're talking about people that are doing full body remaps. So you can play through Zelda with unique armor uh, from the beginning through Linkle. Uh, so you can play through completely different versions of the game where like the game is literally hell uh, or like the what they call the Winter Wonderland one, which is everything is ice. Um, one where you can play through is the champions, uh, all sorts of things like that. And they're really starting to crack open what they can and can't do with this. And so like any of the excuses that anybody have, like some developers where animating women are hard, fuck you modders are doing it. Look what they're doing. And it's not even their fucking code. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. And and the Linkle stuff was probably the most interesting to me lately because uh, Linkle, as you know, or you may not know, is a character that was in the sort of 
uh, Hyrule Warriors game. She existed and her grandmother told her that she was the hero of time. And so she was supposed to go out and become the hero. And she had a magic compass that, you know, helped her do the hero things and a crossbow. And you basically just look like a female link. I mean, she was even named after the hero of time. So there you go. But she's a character that ever since then, people are like, why can't we play as like her? Why isn't she a playable character? Or, you know, and then when Breath of the Wild came out, it was all the speculation that, you know, maybe Link would be female this time because there's nothing in the lore. Literally, I have the books sitting on my shelf right now. There's nothing in the lore. This is the reincarnation cycle can't happen reverse or whatever the case is. So people are starting to do this and the results are just fucking spectacular. Uh, and again, they're not perfect because they're fan-made mods, but people are doing some really impressive things. So if you are interested in that type of thing, there are several videos out there that show you how to uh, do install install the mods, whether it's on your Switch, which I would not recommend, honestly would not recommend that. Uh, but if you have a decent computer, you can run one of the Wii U emulators uh, and actually play the game and install the mods and, and sort of see what's going on there. But only if you own the game. Don't, again, don't do it if you don't own it. But it's it's been cool uh, to the point where I'm starting to fuck around with the mods now because it's an interesting way to reinvestigate uh, the game world and see how things are different in change. I just love the the, the attitude of there's a demand for this thing Nintendo, you're not giving fans what they want, so fuck you. We're just gonna do it ourselves. I nothing but uh, love for that. Well, and the interesting thing here too is this is this is kind of an important time for this as well, because in the grand scheme of things, we're about that point of time where I would expect the next sort of Zelda project announcement, which we know is in the works, to start surfacing soon. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was a springtime when they announced Breath of the Wild the first time, wasn't it? Like, it was at one of the spring events? Maybe. I, it's been a while. It has been a very long time. But I, I I sort of expect them to get gearing up to announce the next Zelda game. Because, first of all, the Breath of the Wild system is amazing with the physics system, the interactions with everything, the way that the game itself works. Whether you like or hate the weapons breaking, I don't mind it personally. I know Roger hated it. Um, or at least expressed his displeasure, I should say, uh, at the weapons breaking. But I like that it it sort of feels okay to me. Where you're fighting monsters, they're gonna hit you hard. You're gonna you're gonna break shit. It happens. Um, but fine tuning that a little bit and building upon it, and then using that system into the next game would make a lot of sense. And that's what they did with two of their most popular games. Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. They use the exact same engine, a lot of the same assets. And I mean, if you look at Ocarina of Time, it's a great game. Often hailed as probably the best Zelda game in the series by a fair number of people. But then you have Majora's Mask, who took that system and kicked it up a notch, like took it from 10 to 11, and it's a fucking damn good game. They can do the same thing here, and they could go, you know what? You were asking to play as a female character. Let's give you the option. Let's give you a choice. You can play through as. Uh, let's say, you know, Link, you know, had twin kids. You can play as either of them. Like, something as simple as that, you know, would, would make players a lot happy, uh, a lot happier, I should say. Not that they're not going to be happy with any Zelda announcement, but, you know, it would be cool. And, and plus, I think, what was it? Oh, God, the broadcast system back in the day for the Super Nintendo. Oh, God. Actually, yeah. So it was only available in Japan. 
and it was a, a system that you you basically hooked up uh, for us in the states. If you're familiar with like Sega TV, very similar to that, where you would hook up a cartridge uh, that would download data from, uh, in this case, a satellite system over there, and it would have different things. And on the Super Nintendo, what they did is they released a uh, an updated version of the original Legend of Zelda with a female protagonist back in the like eight bit side. And it had different things like narration and, and voiceover stuff and things like that that they could deal with it. But it was the first time that we ever saw a female protagonist. And that was back then. That was in the 90s. And then we just never saw it since. And so there's been sort of this call for it since then. Why not do it now? Cool stuff. Cool stuff. I, you know, it would be nice to have enough time in a day to look at that. <laughs> Marty, buy a Switch and play Zelda. Okay. I did it. So can you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to wrap it up here for this episode of Four Lore. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find this episode and more along with our show notes. And just last night, we did our first actual in-game session of Marty's D&D Numenera mashup campaign. I know everybody had fun. So looking forward to more of that coming up around the corner. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter for more updates at For the Lore. You can follow us individually. I am Simodian. Marty is Officer Gleason. Joe is Loader ZJ. And Roger is at Zen Buddhist. Go ahead and send him a message. Tell him that, uh, well, I don't want to say we love him, but he's all right. He can, he can take care of himself. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> take care of yourself. Tell him to sit down on the couch and stay warm. How about that? So thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. A little more fight, a little less spark. A little less fight, a little more spark. Check your mouth and open up your heart. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.